anything. Ladies and gentlemen, you are back with Seminole Sideline 365. As always, I am your host, or one of your hosts, uh, KB. Oh, I'm sorry. You're the only host now? Sometimes it feels like it. Yeah, that's just like Sometimes look. it feels like it. Yeah, 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 just like they're trying to get rid of Lee Corso. Okay. I, I already have. Uh, hey, I well, want my amongst- contract renewed. Let me let me get my intro in. So alongside me is Bruce, aka the old man, aka the oldest living Florida State alumni fan and veteran. This is a veteran-owned podcast, so uh, be sure to subscribe, like, and join the family. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. We appreciate your comment support. If you want a T-shirt, maybe we'll send you one. Uh, we did hit our hundred follower mark on Twitter, so thank you again for everyone who uh, gives us a follow. It is always appreciated. We we appreciate the love that you guys show us and all the comments, feedback, whether it's positive or negative. We we always uh, appreciate that. So uh, thank you all again for that. Are the negative ones about me? Mostly, mostly. Oh, God. So, but uh, but uh, Lord, yeah. So um. Yeah. Uh, how, how's it been going on your end? How's it been going on? Your well, end? we had a hurricane today. Hurricane Nicole, I think it was. Is that because we avoided the hurricane last week? Yeah, 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 yeah. We took down the hurricanes last week, so they sent a hurricane, a real one, up the uh, up the uh, Atlantic seaboard, and actually it swung through, came up through Tampa, and actually, I'll tell you what, I didn't take it that serious because I'm inland anyways. And it, it blew all last night. It really blew all last night and blew into about mid-afternoon today. Lots of rain. No damage here at my place, but a lot of people had power outages. So it was actually a cat one. It was actually much more serious than the Miami Hurricanes provided uh, wind uh, last Saturday. Well, uh, yeah, as always. How yeah. are you? And it's coming up your way, by the way. Yeah, I mean – uh yeah obviously i hope everyone is doing okay down there um no up by us it's uh yeah not too bad weather's fine it's kind of supposed to be like 70s tomorrow it was like 50s early in the week so uh i'll take the warmer weather but as you said it's probably gonna affect us later in the week uh high school playoffs are starting up here in in the dc area i think they are starting in florida as well so it's a big weekend for high school football um you know playoffs and stuff like that starting up so uh yeah it'll be interesting to watch those um see how well you know what i you know what i always say gotta check the weather report which we'll have at the end of the show tonight (laughs) weather report (laughs) it'll be an interesting one since uh we're in the dome you know so um but uh yeah so we have a a couple of fun things today going on so we have the uh did we just switch it you switched it I don't even know how I did that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, we have a couple things. So we'll go over a quick recap of the of the Miami game. Really, the good thing is there's not much to go over because it really wasn't much of a game. Uh, then we'll go into our Syracuse preview. Uh, and we have a special guest. Uh, do you want to give a quick background who we're going to bring on later today? Yeah, we've got a uh, an exciting guest coming in, uh, a uh, Syracuse insider. And she is going to lay out exactly how this Syracuse team is going to try to take down the Knowles. And uh, I will introduce her in a little while. But her name is Emily Liker. And we're excited to have her on the program. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll have her on about 845, I believe, is the plan. Uh, And like you said, she'll uh, give us a a preview of what to expect um, from Syracuse and uh, what to expect in the matchup because I think we all we're not sure what to expect from the game. Uh, as we've seen the past couple of weeks, they're kind of uh, not playing so hot. Um, but uh, on any given uh, Saturday, anything can happen. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's break down the the Miami game real quick. Let's go through uh, the lasting thoughts. Um, I know everyone's posted articles about you know the breakdown. You've seen the gifts and the videos and the highlight clips. Um, but if you had to give your 
one or two or even three biggest takeaways from that game? What, what have them they've been for you so far? Well, uh, yeah, just quickly. I think the biggest one, I think the biggest one, if you took a short clip of video from the Miami game, you would have the Jamie Robinson play, right? Yeah, You'd have absolutely. the play when Jamie Robinson actually tackles this guy with his just bare hands, manhandles. I think, was that the quarterback? I don't even remember. Yeah, it was the quarterback. It was yeah, he takes Brown, the quarterback Brown, yeah. and literally tosses him down. And I saw the referee coming in looking like, should I throw my flag? Should I throw uh, yeah, my flag? That but awful. that would have been awful because it was a cool play yeah. that will last in the history of Florida State. Yeah. And I think what it did, it signified the defense. That defense had such a great night. The offense had a a massive night. It yeah. it signified what happened in the game. That one play. So the take my takeaway from this game was that we just totally dominated both sides of the line of scrimmage. And that's what the fan base here in Tallahassee is looking for. The question is, we celebrated that. We celebrated the whole week. And we can say that the Miami program is a, dump, you know, a, a dumpster fire. It is because dumpster. it is. It, it, it is. is. It is. Let's be frank. But we're not going to take away what this team did because that's what you should do. When you're a good football team, you should go down there and light that thing on fire and push it off a cliff. Yep. Well, we pushed it off the cliff, and that was and that game's going to be remembered. But the question is, where do we go from here when we go and take on the Syracuse Orange this Saturday? Can we trust this team? Can we trust our Knowles that we are totally moving in the right direction and there won't be any – Missteps. Yeah. Uh no. Uh, I'll you know I'm just putting some of the stats on the screen. Um they've got stats on the screen as we go through this. But uh, you know, like you said, it, it, the game was in the bag from almost the beginning, from from that first touchdown uh that Jordan Travis threw. Um it, yeah, I it, it's hard because I don't think you can really take anything away from this game just because there wasn't much fight put up by Miami at all. So it's hard to take away like how do you grow from here other than it was the most complete game that your offense and defense put together all season in terms of you got production from your offense right from the get-go and pretty much through all quarters consistently um you know outside of not scoring from in the third but then you scored right you know at, at the start of the fourth which was a carryover um and, and you in your ground game was consistent all night long you dominated on the line uh you blocking was uh, fantastic throughout pretty much and you got the ground game going, which is what we've been I've been asking for personally all season long is give the tray, give the tray and let him go. And, and you saw that happen. And on the defensive side, you you bottle up the big play, you brought pressure, you got pressure and, and you made it hell for them. You basically knocked out the starting quarterback and, and then you were they were left with nothing else and, and you didn't give up a touchdown. So, you know, from that standpoint, you, you played your most complete game. Now, was it against? quality competition i would say no i would say georgia tech probably gave you more of a fight than miami did uh and they were also playing with a true freshman quarterback or a freshman quarterback um but they played they played with heart for four quarters and i would say miami played for one quarter with heart um so yeah like you, to your point uh we didn't see that defensive line pressure that we thought we would from miami uh they weren't able to disrupt the pocket except aside from that first play of the game where I, I think they sacked uh, Jordan Travis or they broke with the play in the back of the line. But outside of that, you just, you didn't see it. And, and the offensive line, kudos to them. They, they blocked very well all night. Um, and you saw those highlights on Twitter throughout the week uh, of the run blocking and maturity there. And, um, and that's going to be a big deal on, on, on Saturday uh, at, on the road in, in New York, because uh, Syracuse is a team that struggles or has been struggling throughout the season with the run and defending the run. And it's an, another opportunity for you to dominate a lesser quality team and run it down their throat again. So once again, can Florida state dominate teams? They should dominate. Can they go on the road, take care of business just like they did last week and do the same thing. Or they think ahead. Do they start thinking ahead to Florida in a couple of weeks or are they unfocused? No, no there's That's no thinking ahead here. I'm, I'm not saying they should be, there's but I'm no saying, can ahead. they focus? Can they, can they are, are they now the type of team that focuses week to week, says took care of business on the road, played well, 
next opponent's in front of us. We dominate the teams we should dominate, and we move forward. That's what I want to see this weekend. Well, that's the trust factor. That's the trust factor that I'm talking about is can the fan base be – are they being sucked in a hole that that we can trust that we that we can go up as as we uh, as we go up to Syracuse as you say and we go in and we continue listen you, you know what the good teams used to say you know what we're going to bring you yeah. know we're going to rush the football we're going to we're going to see if you can stop it we're going to see if you can stop us running the football right down your throat and when we do that and you start creeping up, we're going to employ the play action passes and we're going to burn you because we can do both. We can do all three. You know, we can throw the ball long. We can throw the ball short and we can run the damn ball down your throat. So that's what this team, this is what the fan base is looking for now. This is this is not a great Syracuse team in my belief, in my opinion, we're going to find out here in a few minutes when our special guest comes on here, when Emily comes on to tell us what she really sees in this team, uh, you know, the Syracuse orange. And, but as a Florida state fan, I'm not going to do rah, rah, rah. I believe this offense is cranked up now. And is this the ultimate offense that Mike Norvell was famous for at Memphis. Are we now seeing that because he has the people in place and we're finally getting some average plus, do I say good average plus to good offensive line play? Yeah, I I think you are starting to see, see mixtures of that. Like you said, it's a little bit of talent. It's a little bit, well, I think it's a lot of buy-in and it's a, and it's finally, you know, I and mean, I think it's Mike fully being the play caller too. I think it's, you know, Dillingham's gone. You have players that fit into the system. You have development on the offensive line um, and, and, and people learning the playbook on the defensive side. I, I think it's a mixture of all three things, but I think especially on the offense, it is a mixture of talent, play calling um, and buy-in. And it's all three of those things coming together. Um, and, and it's really taken and, and development too. You know, Jordan Travis has gotten a lot better, and his commitment to being a passer versus a runner is 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 evident. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it's it's really like totally different that he really wants to stay in the pocket and he wants to throw the that ball down. He knows he can run. He's being very selective in his runs, and he's getting down or out of bounds. Yeah, he's, he's finally figured he's that himself. out. Yeah, That's and right. I think the thing is different too is that. I think he trusts that he has weapons that will make the plays for him too. I don't think two years ago he trusted the people around him and he felt like he had to run because he, if he tried to make a throw either a, he didn't trust he could do it himself, like make the throw, but B I don't think he trusts the weapons around him to make the play either. And I think now he's seen the commitment that the coaching staff has had, has made to bring transfers in the Johnny Wilson's, the Micah's, you know, uh, the Deuce fans, the uh, um, people like that, that says, we're going to get you the weapons around you. We're, we'll make a playbook to get these guys open. We'll run the plays, draw the plays up to get guys open. You just got to make the passes. And and we'll bring guys on the line to protect you as well. So, you you know, we had, what, three or four offensive linemen transfers. And we don't even talk about the guy from Charlotte who's been playing very well in the offensive line. Um, uh, Manual. Yeah. So – you know, I think he's seen the investment that the coaching staff has made to make him. And, and this is and also to that point, I think we forget this is the first year that he's he's been the sole starter last year, the year before that, you know, he wasn't the starter last year was Milton and him and he wasn't the, the starter. And this is the first year that they said, you're the guy, your job, your job. your job, here are your weapons, here's your line, you know, lead it. And I, I, you know, so far, like I said, it hasn't been perfect by any stretch, any means. He's not a Heisman contender, but from what you've seen, I mean, he, he's a top 20, 25 quarterback. I mean, in my eyes, he, he when he is in that pocket and he stays in it, he can hit the big throws. Now, it's not always the consistently, but he can make all the throws on the field in my mind. And he has that still has a dynamic playability where he well, can he can run off and he can run for 15 yards, 20 yards, or even you know break one off for 60 when he has to. When he has to. So that's what's impressed me the most is that he really has committed himself to become a better passer and he trusts the players around him, which is huge. And and that's that's kudos to the coaching staff for getting those players and, and a better decision maker. Yes, a better yes. decision maker. There's no reason to try to force balls in. 
Okay, mm-hmm. if you're going to do that and put your team in a bad situation and in, 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 in field placement, it, it's not good for the football team. I think he's made great strides in doing that. And I think he is going to take this roadshow, this offensive roadshow, to the Dome in Syracuse and, and, and light it up. Yeah. The only thing on that before we go on to Syracuse, is I, I think he still does take a couple of sacks that he doesn't have to where he, he tries to make a play and he can just throw it away. Um, I think that's one of the things he can still improve upon. I, I still think he 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 tries to dance around a little bit too much and he, he's afraid to just throw the ball away sometimes. So I I, I want him to improve on that. But yeah, like you said, he, he's going to take this high-powered offense on the road uh, to Syracuse. And I think uh, – our, our guest is here, and we can we can start, start talking about more in depth on the Syracuse game. So I'm going to bring in Emily right now. Emily, hi. Hey, Emily, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, I yeah. can. Yes, okay. I can. <laughs> Emily, we're so glad that you're here to to join us tonight and to tell us how Syracuse is going to take down Florida State. But I want to introduce Emily to everybody out there who will see us tonight and see us in the future on this show, because people are going to be looking at this. Emily is a, uh, Emily like, like her, right? Like her. Yes. I got it right. Thank you, Emily. Emily, this is your first season covering Syracuse football as the sole beat reporter for Syracuse.com. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. A- as well as you do work, outstanding work for the post standard. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And you previously, are you a Missouri Tiger? Is that where you went to school or somewhere near there? Yes, I graduated from Missouri in May. So just oh, graduated. Super. Well, congratulations. And uh, you, you've also covered the Missouri Tigers of the SEC while you were in college for two seasons. That's mm-hmm. outstanding. And you've been an intern for USA Today. So that's <laughs> That's a well-known organization as well. What got you so interested, Emily, in sports and sports journalism? Uh, well, I grew up in a sports family. We were uh, a NFL Sunday type of family, mm-hmm. spent the whole day on the couch. I'm from the West Coast, so it was pretty much you got up at 10 a.m., were watching football until 9, and then went to bed and had school the next day and stuff like that. So I grew up watching football. My brother, um, who's three years younger than me, played it. I played soccer. So just around sports a lot and then I also had an interest in writing so it just kind of happened one day I think in like middle school my dad was like you know you can do sports writing like that's a thing you can do and I was like oh really and from then on it was just kind of what I wanted to do. Well that's great Emily that's great well we appreciate you coming on the show here tonight and giving us and giving our viewers an inside look of what you think this Syracuse football team is and the program itself where they are especially coming off three losses they started I think six and oh then lost three ball games the last three games which were tough games I'll say that they were tough and we are you know we want to know your insight of what's going on and then we're going to ask you some really hard questions and none of this has been scripted correct Emily because we don't do that Correct. This is uh, you're getting me on the spot. So. The hot spot. Okay, Emily, tell us about how this football team can beat Florida State. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's been an interesting season for Syracuse. Like you said, they started six and zero. No one really expected them to do that. It was the expectation was kind of another middling season, potentially another losing season, maybe Dino up, out the door at the end, and so then to come out to this six and zero start. I mean, the fan base was thrilled. People were really shocked. The program was really high on itself. And then they played this game down at Clemson. They led the, at that point, number five team in the country for three quarters and things just fell apart at the end. Self-imploded, a lot of things went wrong, um, gave up a lot of, a lot of ground to Will Shipley, Clemson's Mm. very talented running back. Mm. And that was kind of that. And the first loss went in and then it was, okay, we're going, they're going back home. They're going to play Notre Dame. Everyone thought that might be a little bit more even contest and they got blown out partly because the starting QB Garrett Schrader was pulled at halftime due to an injury that no one really knew about until the moment he was pulled. I mean, he looked gimpy in the first half of that game. He wasn't nearly as mobile as we've seen him all, all season before that. And so it was kind of like, 
oh, there's there's definitely something up, and it must be pretty serious for him to get pulled in a game like this. They were already trailing at halftime, went on to lose that one. And then last week at Pitt, Garrett didn't play at all, so that was another kind of tough loss for them, 19-9 on the road. Pittsburgh just isn't a place they play very well either, from what I've understood. So, yeah, you know, I mean, the biggest question going into this game, I think that that fans have, that I have, honestly, because we don't know a lot about the quarterback situation, is, is whether Garrett Schrader is healthy and he's going to be in. Because I think if he is, that that evens out the playing field a little bit. But if he isn't, this this offense is probably going to struggle again this week. Yeah, it's it sounds like your your uh, Dino's policy is like Coach Norvell's policy here on injuries. There's really no discussion, uh, and and in fact, I think most of our local beat reporters uh, they don't even ask about it because the policy is basically the university, the athletic department, and the football team. They don't give out any information. So that is what we're talking about here in Tallahassee is. Is Garrett Schrader, is he going to play or he isn't going to play? And get ready, because I'm getting ready to ask you that. Because down here, they feel like if he plays, we could have a ball game. We feel like we're going to win the ball game. <laughs> However, if he doesn't play, we feel like we're going to run up and down the field. You're not going to even have a chance. It's going to be a blow up. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. I mean, I, I predicted that Syracuse will lose this week. I, I don't think – I it's hard to see them coming. You've got to lock your doors right win. now. <laughs> no, they're going to come find me, all the Syracuse fans. But, I mean, it, it's hard to make a, a call on Schrader just because we don't, we don't get to watch practice. The last time I saw him was he did warm up for the pit game. So I watched him from the press box looking down at the field, and he certainly – didn't look at 100% um, mobility-wise. He was fine throwing the ball, all of that. Um, but when the team came out for kickoff, he was back in street clothes and, and was not suited up for the game at all. So clearly something in warm-ups did not indicate to the team that he was good to go. We don't know if he's been practicing this week. Uh, Dino's very veiled about all that stuff. Even tonight, he, I was listening to his radio show and he got asked about Garrett and he kind of just deflected the question into some other things that Syracuse needs to focus on if they want to win this game. So I would tend to think it will probably be Carlos Del Rio Wilson again, just because of how gimpy Schrader still looked last week, though I guess I could see a scenario maybe where they split snaps, but Dino's not really fond of that either. So I think he'd just pick one way or the other. And this late in the season, if Garrett's not healthy, I think he'll just go with Carlos. Yeah, this I'll have one other comment then KB, you can ask some questions. I, this is going to be very interesting because this is kind of like the Miami thing, you know, with Tyler Van Dyke, he was, he's been hurt. They all week, they disguised whether he was going to play or he wasn't going to play. He starts the game. He gets hammered. Doesn't he, he, no? He didn't get hammered. He threw one pass. With he, a shoulder he threw it injury. away, and he just blew. He his threw shoulder. it away, and he get, and he was in pain. And then he tried. And then they rotated quarterbacks. I thought it was chaotic offense for Miami, even though they got a chaotic program. Anyways, it'll be interesting to see if they try to march Schrader out there to see. What, but you have no idea if it's an upper. Injury or a lower leg injury? You, you don't have any clue. Well, we, we haven't been told officially, but pretty much the agreed upon sentiment is that it's a lower, a lower body injury. I mean, he's throwing fine. That's not a problem. But it's a like, leg or ankle injury, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a, it's a lower body thing. Okay. There was a moment in the Notre Dame game where he got tackled on one of the only two rushes he had that game. And mm -hmm his ankle smushed a little bit and so we think that re-aggravated something uh he got up and he kind of hobbled off almost like fell over and that was near the end of the half so he okay. played out the rest of the half but then didn't come back after that so yeah it's it's something lower body for sure um or I guess I can't say for sure because Dino hasn't said that but oh, you <laughs> can tell us Emily, we can tell us tell us now from observation i would say it's like 99 sure it's it's like a lower leg injury okay okay kb kb we can't hear you buddy i didn't mean it myself okay. um like you said i think schrader really is a is the catalyst for if this can be a game or not he's a dynamic player with his leg i think his legs are the biggest 
uh, thing here because he's he makes that offense more dynamic than it, than it is right now. Uh, and, and that goes into my next question. So we don't know if he if he's going to be ready for the game or not. Uh, so I really want to focus a little bit more on on Sean Tucker because he has not looked. You know, the team has not looked the same in the last three games, and neither has he. Uh, it, we're talking about the number one running back last season for the ACC, all-purpose yards, rushing yards, you know, as a freshman last year. And, and so I, th- I know there's big expectations for him and what he was going to bring in the season. That, and, he, and he started hot, uh, uh, you know, to begin the season. But then he's, uh, you know, 232 yards against Wagner is Wagner, right? Um, but in the North Carolina State, he had almost 100 yards on, you know, seven yards per carry. But the last couple of games, he, he's cooled in. I think over the last three weeks, he has 130 yards total. Um, so a little under 40 yards per game if you average it out. You're, so You're ranked number 96 in the nation for FBS games, FBS 1A games, and you're getting uh, 119 yards per uh, for the game. So I'm just going to ask you, um, what was the feeling around, is it they're not scheming him correctly? Is he is he dealing with an injury? Why why has he been off track? And, and is it just because they've been getting down or like what what is what is the deal with Sean? What should we expect from him? Are they trying to trying to get him more in the offense uh, going into Florida State? Um, what what should we expect uh, uh, come Saturday with him? Yeah, so this is something I, I've written about a couple times this season because it has been a big a big talking point. Um, just because people feel like he hasn't been nearly the same running back. Um, this week I looked specifically at his explosive play count and it's it's way down the team's explosive play count in general is way down despite the fact that they were six and oh at one point this season um Mm -hmm. but yeah it's really a couple things with Sean um I think most recently in these past three games the biggest thing has been the scheming and the play calling because Mm -hmm. he's I mean against Clemson he only had five carries yeah that wow. majorly upset people. <laughs> people were up in arms about that, and rightfully so. I mean, you're in the biggest game of the year, and you only give your star running back five the ball five times. And the excuse then, or the reasoning then, I won't say excuse, but the reasoning was that they had schemed up QB reads, and it was, it was just Schrader was pulling it. Okay, whatever. Um, but then same thing happened about, against Notre Dame. I think he only had a little bit over – like 15 carries between 15 and 20, which is well below his season average. Yeah. And then this past game, he had 10 carries for 19 yards, which that gets into a little, okay, well, that's probably also some of his fault, though that gets into a second point, which is the offensive line. Um, hasn't really been a huge issue this season, but last week they were missing their left guard, Kalen Ellis, and he's still – doubtful maybe probable for this week um the o-line coach said tonight that um they're hopeful that he'll be back so that was an issue the o-line play there was a lot of collapse in the pocket last week and so i don't entirely blame tucker for the 19 yard performance there but then yeah the third thing is early in the season he went down a couple times he went down in the louisville game he went down in the purdue game briefly and then the Wagner game, he left the field on what was kind of a controversial moment like early in the second half because Syracuse was already up by 40-plus points and Dino had put his first stringers out there for the first drive of the game, which he says is a classic football coach move. I would maybe <laughs> contest that a little bit, especially because Tucker has had already been hurt twice at that point. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Nothing's happened since then. We've never seen him in like a boot or like extra like rapping when he comes out to talk to media or anything. He's said he's fine multiple times, said he's healthy. I've talked to other people that are close to him that say he's healthy. Dino says he's healthy, but there is still a sentiment that maybe there's something there or maybe he was injured earlier in the season and is fine now, but there's maybe like a mental block going on there where he's not running as hard because he's worried about whatever happens. Um, Let me ask you, let me ask you this. Yeah. Emily, (laughs) let me, let me ask this on a follow-up to KB. And this is just a theoretical. Do you think he has, he has a motivation issue that maybe he's like, I'm going to ride this out and then I'm going to go into the portal. Have you heard any rumors like that? No, Cause he I has think- some value obviously as last yeah. year. Yeah. I think the bigger, not concern. I mean, most people are expecting he's going to go to the NFL after this season. That's really? been the, 
yeah no. because he he is technically a third year guy he didn't yeah. play a ton in 2020 but he was around that was his true freshman season yeah. um and now he's a, a redshirt sophomore um so he is draft eligible and especially after last season and going into this one that was the prediction was that he would explode this year and then go off and be a, a high draft pick now probably wouldn't be as high of a draft pick um that's something i'm going to be digging into in the next couple <laughs> weeks is finding out maybe where he slides um, yeah i i do think personally maybe a transfer portal is in the question um though i, I would still probably say that it's more likely that he just leaves for pro than he does transfer somewhere else um but none of that ha has come up in conversation with him yet okay i think we're gonna see i think we're gonna see a lot more of carlos carlos del rio wilson right mm -hmm. and, and what should, and, and with that i I don't. I wasn't. He's a transfer, isn't he? Or, or he's was a he freshman, a, redshirt freshman. I I don't know why I thought he went to Florida. Um, he did. Yeah. Okay, that's he what I thought. He was at Florida, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, he was a redshirt freshman, or he is a redshirt freshman. He transferred from Florida. Yeah. Like literally a week after I started my job, so back in like mm -hmm. May. Yeah. And he didn't play at Florida at all. Mm -hmm. Like I think he didn't even see the field once, but he. He came up here, and so yeah, he is a Florida guy. He's and, Jack Del Rio's son, correct? And, I think so. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would make he sense. I, I believe he, I believe he is. But it, it, all I know about him, what I've read about him, is that he does. He's he isn't Grant Trader, but he has some of that athletic ability to fit into that offense in a way where he you have to respect his legs. Like what else? What else should we know about him? What you've seen from him? It, it, I know he probably can't operate offense the same way, but how 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 mobile is he? And what, do you think he can? What should we expect from him on Saturday if he gets a majority of the snaps? Yeah, he is. He is definitely a dual threat, just like Garrett is, and does use his legs. I think we saw that a little bit more in the Notre Dame game and his appearance in the second half of that rather than the pit game. Again, there was those offensive line issues that I think just hindered some of that type of play calling and opportunities yeah. to do that. Um, I think the biggest thing for him right now is just that he's so new, and I really don't think he was getting that many snaps with a lot of these offensive guys, these first stringers, until sure. – last week and so he's still trying to build up all this chemistry one interesting thing that's happened though is kind of through the first half of the season there's a lot of discussion that Syracuse didn't really have a number two receiver like tight end Aronde Gadsden who's the son of Aronde Gadsden the first who's famous um mm -hmm. Miami player wide mm -hmm. receiver mm -hmm. he he had kind of been Schrader's like number one target he's made some huge plays this season has absolutely been a star he's been like the breakout Syracuse player this year but there was no one behind him that they could go to if he he was double teamed or triple teamed which is now what's happening because everyone knows to look for him on film and so with Carlos coming in and him I think being a little less experienced with the receiving core he's actually connected with some of these guys that we haven't seen at all and have been more minor players like Demarcus Adams or Damian Alford who are two younger guys and so that's kind of been an interesting element of Carlos coming in is that it, it's opened up the receiving game a little more instead of just well if there's going to be a downfield pass it's going to go to Aranda Gadsden because you know you can trust him I think that's been helpful for Syracuse's offense and if they've figured that out a little bit more in practice this week that that could be a, a threat on Saturday. Sure. And just, I don't know if you knew this or not, but DeMarcus Adams is a former uh, Florida State guy who uh, started yes. at Florida State. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I, I honestly didn't realize he was, I just looked up the roster and you mentioned his name that, yeah, you started at Florida State with Willie Taggart and then, uh, well, we know what happened there. So let me, I've got, let me, <laughs> let me, let me, yeah, let me, yeah, that, that was a dump, that was our own dumpster fire. You know, we've, we've had our share. Uh, this is very interesting stat, I think, and it can be read in different ways. But nationally, again, against the FBS 1A teams, okay, mostly your conference foes, obviously, uh, Syracuse is ranked number four nationally, 96% red zone conversions, okay? Now, we have struggled in red zone conversions compared to you at number four, Florida State's at 102. 102. Now, we're clicking along at 75% with 23 touchdowns and five field goals. 
Syracuse 96%, 16 touchdowns and nine field goals. How would you explain that to us? I mean, I think- What does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, it really just comes down to, I think once, once they get in range, they usually find a way to execute. I mean, they have enough tools on this offense when it's at full yeah. health and capacity. Like you can hand it to Schrader, he can run it in. You can hand it to Tucker, he can run it in. You have multiple wide receivers who can bring it in. So, like, once they get in range, you have Andre Schmidt who can kick a field goal from, I mean, in the Dome, we saw him do 54 yards two weeks yeah, ago. So yeah, they don't have to move the ball very far for him to get it. <laughs> like, yeah. they need to be in the red zone for Andre Schmidt to, to clear a yeah. field goal. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think really it's just that they're so multifaceted that once they get in range, it's, it's not difficult for them to put points on the board. Um, but depending on who's – Manning the offense, as we saw last week with Carlos Delrio Wilson, they struggled to move the ball out of their own territory. And yeah. there's a lot of the, a lack of third down conversions and a lot of three and outs. So they yeah, struggle sometimes yeah. getting to the red zone. But once yeah, they're there, yeah. you can pull it off. Yeah, yeah you're, you're on third downs, which I, I, I follow these on Florida State or, or other teams too. We're number 11 in converting third downs at 50%. You're number 89 at 35%. And that third down means a lot, especially in possession. But we used to track time of possession. Well, we had the ball more than you did. Well, it doesn't matter unless you're putting points up on the board and converting. A lot of times we could get into the red zone and we couldn't convert because we couldn't trust our field goal kicker. Well, he's gained some confidence, but I'd hate to have a kickoff uh, you know, at the end, like soccer, you know, I don't want to have the the two field goal guys going in there because we probably might not come out well in that. Uh, KB, you see what I'm saying about them in the red zone? You know? Yeah. I, well, both teams suck in the red zone, in my opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, well, I, what are you I, I talking about? They're number that's four in the red zone. Uh, well, I, I, well I, I don't think, I, I think they're going to struggle sense. against us. I think they're going to struggle yeah. against us. Okay. I, I have a whole other yeah. question, though. Okay. So you brought up Gadsden. <laughs> he had zero lar- yards last week uh, against Pitt. Is that was he? Uh, I, I don't. I don't think we covered. Was he hurt or just ineffective with Del Rio in the game? He was in. Uh, I think Babers said Monday he had that Gadsden had five targets, which, if I recall, that sounds about right. He had a couple drops. That wasn't ideal. He was in double coverage pretty much the entire game, mm-hmm. so I think it was just that Carlos, as an inexperienced quarterback, wasn't going to try and throw yeah. into double coverage. Yeah. Smart guy, smart that guy. Was the, well, that was the, the reason big I bring thing. it up is because he's, like you said, you know, he's the playmate. He's literally the playmate. He's sixth in receiving the ACC. He's sixth, fourth in touchdowns, mm. eighth in receptions. Mm. He He's the star on that team right now. Without Schrader, even with Schrader, he's probably the star on that team uh, with Tucker playing like he is right now. He's the guy. So, Emily, in your opinion, if you had to pick a guy that's going to have 100 yards uh, on Saturday – and when the game is it Tucker or him, if one has to pop off, which one would you pick to win the game? It, it's hard because if, if Schrader was playing, I would, I would like smash the button on Gadsden. Like he's just been a lot more consistent yeah. and the two of them click so well. The fact that we don't know a Schrader, I, I don't know that either of them make it to 100 yards. Like we haven't yeah. seen Schrader make it to a, or yeah. we haven't seen Tucker make it to a hundred yards since Wagner, which, like you said, that's not a difficult feat to do. Yeah. Um, and the last time before that was the only conference game he's got 100 yards in was the season opener against Louisville. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't necessarily see either of them making it to 100 yards in the game if if Schrader's not in to throw it to, to Gadsden. Okay, that's interesting. I, I see Gadsden as the player, obviously, Florida State has to watch out for. Like you said, if he's struggling, if he's struggling to connect with Del Rio, then that that totally makes sense and that's a wash but this is a six five receiver that that can obviously against nc state made plays and against Virginia purdue he can make plays but like you said if his main if he doesn't have that connection with del rio and you can double him and, and tucker's not effective then like you said it's kind of a wash at that point because he can't do it all emily what questions do you have for us oh that's a good question you had I, one question yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, the three-pronged running game. I know they have they have three running backs, mm-hmm. but Treshawn Ward has been injured, correct, or has mm-hmm. been out. Mm-hmm. Benson is obviously popping off. I put that in my scouting report earlier. But like, how do they? How regularly do they rotate them? And and what's kind of the usage out of the three of those guys? Because that's, I mean, the biggest struggle Syracuse has had defensively the past three games and and all season. Because otherwise, Syracuse's defense is pretty solid. 
I'll, I'll pass yeah. it to KB, but I will say this. It's been easier with Ward out of the lineup to give people <laughs> carries. <laughs> yeah. But go ahead, KB. No, I, I think uh, the room's fairly healthy. And like I, like uh, yeah. uh, Bruce just said, I, I, Treshawn's going to be ready to go um, yeah. uh, on, on Saturday. I think like, he'll be on a rep count, though. Yeah. I think and, and, I, and I think, and I've said on this show many times, yeah. Uh, yeah. is that I think Trey's got to be the number one guy just because he's a bulldozer. And he, he's, he is. He's, 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 your, he, he's your bulldozer but he also has to be the breakaway and i think if that defensive line isn't um elite at some level he's just going to bruise them and then if it comes to the third or fourth quarter and it's a tight game it's just going to wear you down so i think they've realized that if you get that guy 18 carries and your defensive line wears down i mean he had uh you know that we rushed for you know, close to 200 yards against clemson they have a pretty decent defensive line and no offense to Syracuse, but I don't think they have that level of defensive talent. So you throw him as your bruiser guy that can break away. And then you have Tua Philly behind him, who's that speed scat back, who can catch passes out of the backfield. And then you have Ward, who's just a cherry on top. And, and, and you don't need to get him injured any more than he is. Put him on the rep count, throw him in there every so often. I think you're going to see Benson get probably 15 plus carries again. And just like, and, and if he doesn't and hit, get hit the next 15. level too. If he doesn't get 15 carries, KB's pounding on the desk. Uh, you know, just I, like I, Sean Tucker, you know, people yeah. are going, well, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, if he loses, it'll be because of something <laughs> stupid like that. So, yeah. yeah but, yeah, I, I I agree with KB. I think uh, Ward will play. I think he's going to be on a rep count. I think Benson gets a, a, a big share of the carries. And then Tia Feely, who's a slight-looking guy, but he's, he's proven he can run inside yeah. now. And when he slithers inside, he can go and he can go fast. They're going to run the ball down your throat. So you can tell Coach Dino that. We're not trying to be nasty about no. it. It's just the truth. I think last <laughs> week was the first time where we said, oh, we found something that works. Let's just keep running it until yeah. it doesn't work. And we finally yeah. stopped being cute with our offense. And yeah. And Miami couldn't stop the counter. We ran it 30 plus times. And yeah, counter play. They couldn't yeah. stop it and look how the game went. And I think we'll try the same thing at Syracuse. If they can't stop the counter, if they can't stop the read option, whatever it is, then Norvell's going to keep running that variation of that same play uh, until they, they can prove that they can. I, I think they've caught, tried to de complex, like get out of the stupid wildcat goal line plays and crap like that. Like, keep it straight in front. Like we've realized we don't have to make it complicated, hopefully. So I, I think they'll, that's how they'll approach this game, but you never know. Mike, Mike, I think it's in his head sometimes. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be really where the game sets up. Uh, Jordan Travis has had a lot of success running the ball last year. This year, he's really trying to be a drop back passer, stay in the pocket and deliver the football because he's looking for the next level. And they want to see, they knew he could run. They knew he was good with his legs and he'll still make those plays. But now he's more focused on delivering the football. So if we're running, if, if the rushing attack, which is still over 200 yards, when you throw all the teams in there that we played, okay, there's still over 200 yards. They're going to run the ball and that sets up the play action, Emily, as you know. And when your guys start creeping up to stop that run, to fill the box, then they're going to throw it over your head. And they got some guys that can do that, that yeah, can yeah. go long. So some of this is going to be about possession of the ball and quality possessions. If Syracuse can have quality possessions, cash in on the red zone, they, they, they got to take the ball away from that Florida State offense. Otherwise, I think Florida State, if they're clicking, they could have a big game. But that's what the fan base here is waiting to see, that there's no hiccups. They go up can take care of business. And we're not trying to be arrogant because we're the probably the least arrogant guys on the Florida State <laughs> side covering this stuff, correct? But but I think that's kind of how this thing's going to shake out uh, unless we're turning the ball over and or we have a lot of penalties. We've cleaned up a lot of those things. And we, we hope that that doesn't uh, derail anything up there on Saturday. But I think it'll be it'll be fun to see because uh, some of our uh, some of our followers think that Ward will start and, and they'll because uh, to their point, Syracuse defense isn't bad. Uh, Syracuse defense tackles relatively well and, and they don't give up a ton of points at the same time. You know, game last week was even with a backup quarterback, your your defense was hung in there and only, hung, you know, only held them to 19. So I think that. It'll be on our offense not to make those mistakes, right? I think uh, from what I've seen about the Syracuse defense, it's a bend but not break type of mentality, which is very similar to Florida State's defenses. You know, give up yards, give up yards, 
but don't don't give up the big play. You know, keep it all in front of you. Um, and I think Syracuse kind of operates in a similar fashion: is is try to keep everything in front of you, tackle well, um, and then give up. You know, give up the into what you know Bruce said about red zone defense being pretty good. You know, somebody's got to break. Somebody's going to give on either side, right? So, um, and we're hoping Florida State doesn't. You know, is the one that you know overcomes it and wins the game. But I think Florida State, if they can, you know, keep keep control of the ball and, and run it you know, like we did last week, then, you know, they should win. But I think it will be a, it'll be a close game on the road. Cause like you said, uh, Syracuse is a much tougher opponent than Miami was last week. So, uh, and if you guys get Schrader back, um, that'll be interesting. So if you, if you get some breaking news on injury news or something like that, hey. be sure to tell us and we'll pass on to the fans. Cause uh, like I said, some of our people came in late and they're like, what's the injury status, stuff like that. So we know, we know that you, you, you're like, you said, you're not sure you're, you're hearing things here and there. So we don't have a confirmed status of what the status is, but uh know if you if you hear anything let us know let us know yeah right, i will, go I, will go say, I saw the, i saw the comment and i can't say it's definitively not a concussion that is like the one thing that has been taken off the board because okay. the, after the notre dame game dino came out and was obviously talking post game and he like started to talk about his reasoning for pulling schrader out and like used like was like talking about like protecting guys from themselves like he still wanted to play and was talking about was referencing the Tua Tagovailoa situation Mm. from Miami earlier this Mm. year and like that that thing and so I asked I was like well does Schrader have a concussion and he was like no and I was like so no head or neck injury and he said no so that is like the one thing that has been taken off the table is it is not a concussion a head related injury um, so that is that is the one definitive we have. <laughs> okay. And, and is there just yeah. one last question for myself? Um, were there any other key injuries or injuries on the defensive side that that we didn't discuss or we should expect for going this weekend? Um, I don't think on a on a week to week basis. They've had some unfortunate um, season ending injuries this year. Garrett Williams, the cornerback, being the most recent mm-hmm. one, he mm-hmm. was a big. He was loss. your best corner, wasn't he? Wasn't he the best corner? Yeah, Deuce Chestnut is very close behind him. Another very talented player. He's younger, but he will be an NFL guy within the next couple years. Um, And Isaiah Johnson, who's coming to replace Garrett, has been pretty good. Garrett Williams has been pretty good. Um, Otherwise, no, not anything week to week um, that I can think of on the defensive side. And the only thing offensively is that left guard that I mentioned. Besides Schrader. Okay. So, so the defense we saw last week against against Pitt should be the defense we pretty much see this week. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Emily, you've given us a good 30 plus minutes here. We always say 15. That's just to bait you to come on. <laughs> but the last que- the last uh, last question we have for you, and you kind of already hinted to it. What's your score in this game, Emily? And lock your oh, doors now and turn out the lights. <laughs> What's your score? I did have to hold, hold on. I'm pulling it back up because I will be honest. I don't remember <laughs> off the top of my head because I, I sent it in. I sent yeah. it in Wednesday morning because that's oh, when we okay. always do our picks. Okay. Um, I said Florida State 28, Syracuse 13 was my okay. score prediction. Okay. I do okay. think Syracuse will put a touchdown on the board as unlike they did last week. I think the, the JMA Wireless Dome, a great place to play. The Carrier Dome, as it's formerly yeah. known, yeah. how you probably know it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Yep. And I think that will give them a little motivation. It's senior day. So there's going to be a lot of high emotions as well. There's a lot of guys graduating and leaving this program. So I think that'll give them at least the stamina and the energy to, to get one touchdown in and hopefully keep Florida state below 30 points. Last question, last question, Dino, Dino Babers. Is he in trouble? Is he, is he, is he on a co- coaching hot seat or could, or do you suspect he might ride if he could win, get to seven wins? And could would he leave? Would he step out and take another offer? Um, he's been there seven years, right? This is his seven Yeah. Years. Yeah. So <laughs> I no, I don't think he's going to be fired. Um, one because there's a huge payout that would need to be paid if he did. I believe um it's reported at ten million dollars that they would have to pay him out. So Syracuse doesn't really want to shell out that cash. And even before the season, John Wildhack, the AD, had said that Dino wasn't on the hot seat. I think his contract, his current contract, runs through 2024. So they want to just probably keep him around through then. Um, I think certainly the fact that they made a bowl game, which is something they haven't done since 2018, helps keep that seat cool. Um, I think, honestly, the more bigger concern is 
assistants leaving like defensive mm-hmm. coordinator Tony White who's been phenomenal for them the past three years or I mean Robert and I like the quarterbacks coach I think those are things that are more more likely is some of the assistants going other places than, than Dino choosing to leave or, or being sent out. Because, okay. right. like, with, to your point there, him, him being fired, I mean, what is – I sorry, last question, last question. But <laughs> what is the fan base's actual expectation of Syracuse football? Like, is it seven wins? Like, I feel like you guys are going to beat – you should beat Boston College. They're, they're an actual dumpster fire program. But, like, I mean, six wins, you were ranked. You're in the meat of your the toughest part of your schedule. You're losing – that's still that that stinks but it happens right like what do you know what the what was the expectation of a team like Syracuse that you know they're in ACC football they're only going to recruit so so well like it's hard the expectations have to be like it's tough, tough being in that position where he's at like seven wins a season eight wins a season is that like you've all, always been seen as a basketball school right? yeah like what's the Dude. realistic what what do do you know what the athletic well, athletic department probably expects something, but like, what does the fan base expect from him? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing this year from the fan base was they wanted that bowl game too, just mm-hmm. like being able to stick around for the postseason, um, getting to six wins. Most people didn't think they were going to be better than six and six. So at okay. this point, looking at a, a more than 50% chance that they finish seven and five in the regular season with yeah. that Boston College game there at the end. That's pretty good for, I think, a lot of people. I mean, this is a team that's gone five and seven, five and seven, one and 10 in yeah. the past three years. Like, yeah. g- getting to a bowl game was a big deal for them. So the yeah. fact that they got that out of the way early, yeah, it, I think people are pleased. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's Emily, totally Emily, thank you yes. so much yes. for coming on the program. And for all our viewers, we'll see this tonight and, and later in the week, whatever. Please uh, go and uh, write to Emily there and uh, share your comments. She does a great job uh, reporting there at Syracuse, and we appreciate all the inside information. But uh, Emily, it was great having you on the program, and uh, please stay please stay in touch. And if you have any questions for us ever, just hit us up. Yeah, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Emily, where can they follow you on social media? You can follow me on Twitter at E-M-Liker, L-E-I-K-E-R. Awesome. And was we I were... doing that all, was I doing that correct all day? Probably too much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you so were. yeah, guys, follow us on Twitter. You can see her handle there uh, and it'll be on the episode as well, but go ahead and follow Emily. She's great. Yeah. And she has, follow her through, through the weekend. She'll have all the updates there. So thank you again, Emily. For and best, and best of luck to you, Emily. And we hope you're not writing a story of how you beat Florida State. Okay. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Take care, Emily. Thank Bye-bye. you, Emily. Bye-bye. Awesome. So once again, that's awesome. Emily Liker of uh, Syracuse.com for uh, the great insight on the program there and what she expects. So, uh, you know, she she's realistic. She expects uh, a close game, but Florida State to come out top yeah, on the hustle road environment. Um, yeah. But she expects them to score a touchdown, which Miami couldn't do last weekend. So, uh, yeah, so a lot well, more fights. on, And it's in the senior day. So, uh, like she said, it's going to be a, be a, lot be a hustle a hostile environment. Um, B Riley thinks it's going to be FSU 34, 13 uh, with or without trader um, assumption. That's a lower body injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's probably a good assumption. And, and like she said, uh, Dino's basically confirmed. It's not a, a upper body kind of concussion, concussion or neck injury or, or um, an arm or a throat. Yeah, so B Riley, I think that's probably a good assumption there. That's something like that. And, and either if, you know, if he does play, like you said, the lower body will probably limit what he can do with his legs or he's going to probably, they're probably trying to protect him in some way. Um, so he'll probably be a little bit less effective. The guy that scares me, like I brought up before, is that six five receiver, um, Gadsden. Um, you know, he he's been sort of a monster for them. And if Schrader's in there, then he's that that guy's gonna be more effective than if Del Rio's in there. So you actually may it, it's kind of get one or the other. If Schrader plays, he's probably gonna be a little bit more limited in his running ability, but then you have to deal with Gadsden. If Del Rio's in there, less experience but he's going to be a lot fa- you know he's going to use deal. his legs to full yeah. effect yeah uh but he's you know uh, gatson probably will be less effective so you, you get one or the other they may use both you know they may do the miami thing and use three quarterbacks you don't know well that's uh, what i was going to ask you kb i was going to say i thought that was a disaster strategy by miami you're running these quarterbacks in and out yeah. you know would it be better during the week if if if, if coach babers really thought 
that Schrader was not going to play. He should have turned the offense well, over. We don't know. Over what to, I mean, no, we but I'm just saying he should have because when you've got that hesitation of who's going and so on, they should have never started uh, uh, TVD down there in Miami. That was a joke. Well, that I was think a Dino's, hope and a prayer. I think Dino's a better coach than uh, yeah, Ball. I think they, he's they, probably they, doing the right thing right now. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think so. We're gonna we're gonna find out. But that was a great guest. Uh, great insight from Emily. Uh, we appreciate her being on the program. So before we sign off tonight, well, what's your I think final we, prediction? What's your well, prediction? my oh yeah for prediction of the game? Florida State wins by seventeen. By seventeen. Florida State wins by seventeen. I don't know what the spread is on the game. What's the uh, spread, the spread on the of game? the game? Is uh, a seven points. Yeah, I've got Florida State. If, if I did my math right, thirty-eight to twenty-one. Uh, I'm gonna, seventeen. I'm going to go with thirty-eight uh, twenty-one. If Schrader plays, if but, Schrader plays the full game. No, you can't say if the, you have so many conditions on your on your bed. Like you can't say if he you plays. You don't think that's what are, the, the Vegas does? They want to know they're, who's they're playing. They're depending on it what it is before game time. So yeah, and they and they know right they, got, they got the real sources. Okay, I'm gonna say well, seven points would probably indicate that he is gonna play, right? Is that what it is? Seven points. It's seven points. Florida State by seven. That would be an indicator that he's probably gonna start. Yes, I would say that's correct. So and you're predicting Florida State, right? Yeah, I'm probably I'm gonna yeah. say Florida State by seven. Oh, well, I'd say I'd say Florida State. I'd say I'm gonna say Florida State thirty to twenty. I, I have to say this, like I said against Miami, this is another pressure game for Coach Norvell and the staff and this team. This is a game that I'm not gonna say winnable. That we should win this it's game. It's about taking care it's, of business. It's, it's just taking gotta... care of business. We have a better football team. We have a healthy football team for the most part. Yeah. And 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 if we take care of the football, we we stay focused. We're disciplined about penalties. We should win this game going away. Going yeah, away. yeah. To your, to your point, B. Riley. Yeah, they did take Zay Flowers out of the game. They, they did uh, well with LSU's uh, yeah. top receivers. So I, like you said, I think Fuller can can scheme around it, especially if it's just one guy. Exactly. Um, so exactly. And, and especially and, and, and getting a lot of pressure up front. And if we shut down the run game, they're going to be so one dimensional. Um, it, yeah. So they got to set the tone early on the line. If they can set it on the line that Tucker is not going to run against this team, then they become super one dimensional, and it's and it's ball game. So. You set the tone early, like they did against Miami in the first quarter, and say you're not going to run against us. We already saw what Verse can do against Syracuse when he played for Albany last year. He was able to get to the quarterback, and that line, their O line is not very good. So, um, you know, you look at those highlights of Albany against Syracuse, and he was able to get pressure with what Albany's offensive line was. Now put him with McLennan and Peyton and stuff, you know, uh, those guys and uh, yeah, trench in the middle. You, I, I think they're going to be able to get pressure on the line. Uh, no matter what quarterback's back there, and I think it's it, it set the set the tone early, take care of business, get home, and, and look forward to Lafayette, and, and let's go for the next one. So, All right, let's uh, move on to to, to the the rumor mill. Let's let's yeah, is there disgruntlement in 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 the in the kingdom? Yeah, is there disgruntlement? No. And I'm They're talking about the Sam the Sam McCall incident, which. He tweeted out something. It was posted for about five minutes, and then it was taken down very quickly. Okay. I, yeah, I don't him. want to spend a lot of time on I, this. I, I don't either. I'm just saying is 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 this an indicator that – and we'll have a show on this down the road, but is this an indicator? I think it's an indicator. I think it's what? an indicator, not just for Sam McCall, but I'm saying that there will be people leaving our program because they're not getting what they think is the playing time on the field that they believe they're good enough to be there. Now, Sam McCall comes in as a five-star. He's got expectations in his head, and he's probably embarrassed for his family, friends, other people. Sam, you're not even on the field anymore. You're not even doing kickoff returns anymore. So he is not happy. And I could see him leaving in the portal. I'm not predicting that. I think Coach Norvell handled go that. somewhere else? No, wait a minute. I think Coach Norvell has probably handled that very well. I think he handled the, the span incident very well. That there is frustration when you have a lot of athletes in a room and they can't get on the field when they think they deserve to be on it. Yeah. So I that's, that's all just, I'm saying. I, think I don't think a, there's any general disgruntlement. I don't think there's any problems in the locker room. I'm not suggesting that. I'm just wanting to clear that up. Yeah, I think it's just an 18-year-old kid that 
through high school, you know, all through high school, he was uh, the crown jewel of oh, everyone's well, attention. And then you absolutely. get into a locker room where guys have had to work for their spot and you think it's, you kind of feel entitled to it. And through nine game, eight or nine games, you're not, you're not starting, you're not getting the majority of reps. And that's why I, I sent out one tweet and I said, dude, just look at the guys that had to work. Like, he look did. at the team. He was a five-star guy and he had to work to get that spot. And, right. you know, he's five still stars don't mean anything. Once look at, like, Jamie Robinson had to transfer to get that spot. Like, he had to work to get that spot. Look at, you know, Zaria Thomas is coming in and out. Like, these guys aren't, you're not guaranteed anything. You have to, like, and I also truly believe that Mike Norvell is not going to put you in a spot where you're not going to succeed. Like, if he thought you were ready to take starter reps the full time, he would put you in there. But he's not going to put you out there to get embarrassed. Like, I I think that's the thing. Like, if he thought you were going to be a star out there and you were ready, he would put you out there. So I I think he's doing it for you. He wants you to develop so that when you get out there, you can put on a show. You you can look good. And I I think that's what these kids have to understand. Like, he's not holding you back intentionally. Because if he thought you could help us win, he would put you out there. There, There's no no incentive for him not to play you if you're ready to go. So I I, – and I get it. Like, it's – you know, you want to – you work hard all week. You want to get in. You want to play. I totally get that. It's it's like in business. It's like in general business. When you're working your ass off and you think you deserve a promotion and you don't get it. Yeah, you no, know, that I, goes on in real life all no, the time. And, and it's to, to be Riley's point, it's the social media era with the portal. It's people, it, it's you want instant satisfaction, uh, uh, you want instant gratification. And you've got people on social media saying he should play, he should play. So they can, they get, they can hear what they want to hear because there's always some person that will tweet at them, why aren't you playing? Why aren't you playing? playing? And he said, oh, I can just throw my name in the portal. I can, I can get someone who will actually play me, stuff like that. And, but now you can see those things to his point, those frustrations are now can be digitized in a second. So they can say, I'm frustrated. I can go somewhere now. Where in the previous past, they, you know, they would have to hold those things in and just keep working harder to get that spot today. They can yeah. throw out a tweet and it's like, Oh gosh, like, why did I do that? And, you know, and I think it was a mistake. And all throughout the week from the practice reports, he's been working the same. Oh yeah. He's working. Hard. He's out there. It's been so, normal. And I'm not is, suggesting anything else. And, and you know, he may go, he may stay. I hope he stays. I hope he keeps working at the team. So yeah. I, I think he has a future. Yeah. But like I said, look he's at guys like a freshman. Look yeah. at, exactly. Look at guys like a keen Like those guys could have left, went to small, like he worked, he was a five-star. He didn't, I didn't think it was going to work out the first couple of, but he's kept working at it. He kept progressing through multiple coaching staffs. You know, like look at you know, you gotta work at this thing. And whatever it's but gonna I, it's gonna yeah. serve him a life lesson going forward. And and that's what's and I, I hope he stays because I think Mike is doing what's best for him. And it, I know it's tough when you're a five star and people are catering to catering to you and telling you what you want to hear. It's tough to get into a locker room like that and not automatically get a role. So I I, I hope, yeah. but like you said, I think it's just it, this generation's got there's gonna be a lot of guys in different locker rooms. I think I think the off season. The offseason is going to be very interesting. And I tweeted about that. Uh, I think that's going to be very interesting because I tweeted uh, with one of our uh, uh, followers back and forth a little bit about uh, he said some Jared verse. Do you think Jared's going to go? Is he worth could maybe the NIL at Florida State give him five million dollars to stay? And I said, there's no way he's going to get five million. I don't either. Five million dollars to stay, and and that gets into the question that's going to make it very interesting. Who walks in and says, "Hey, listen, I'll stay if I get this," you know, and so on and so on. It's 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 going to be unbelievable to be a fly on the wall around the football operations offices, and that's all. That's I another topic. The last thing I got before we check out here tonight is the weather report, my infamous weather report. Wait a minute. It's an 8 p.m. kick, right? 8 p.m. kick on the ACC on ESPN. Is that how that works? No, it's ACC Network. It's ACC Network. Are they owned by ESPN? Are they ride on the ESPN? Whatever. Okay, 8 p.m. But here's the good news. It's going to be 40 – no, this is the bad news. 46 degrees and possibly rain showers – when you're walking from your car to the dome, baby, to the dome. Okay. And that's good news for Florida state. That's real good news. They don't have to wear the heavy jackets and the hoods and bring in the heaters and it gets loud in there and all that. It gets loud. Uh, 
They'll have about fifty thousand in there. I bet that's what I'm. Thinking. No, it's gonna be packed. It'll all be packed in there. I think fifty. 000. Exactly, B. Riley. Brother report for a dome game. I, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. Hey, B. Riley, I give the weather He's losing. No matter. He's losing. You know what? You, you know what? <laughs> you know, but inside, do you know what? Hey, do you know what the average temperature inside a dome usually is for a sporting event? Uh, there, I don't baby? think I've ever been to a dome. Okay, do you? I thought I you went to the dome in Dallas one time. I thought you went. To oh, I did. Time. That was nice. That's like a nice dome. This, okay, but this do you know what the dome. average temperature is? B. I should Riley, say Apple B. Dome. Riley, not looking it up or any other viewers out there. Do you know what the average temperature is for a game? I would say like 70. Yeah, you're there. The range is 70 to 75. 70 to 75. Okay. The candles are atrocious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 70 to 75 degrees. The ideal temperature for football is usually in the 60, 60 to 65. Okay. Be 82. Right, was 82. No, it's not 82. <laughs> you know, no, they're not going to have that up. That so, could be an advantage, though. So, they crank well, up the heat a little bit and they uh, that try is to switch your, you out. <laughs> that is your Seminole Sideline 365 weather report. And sometimes we have guests. We're going to have more guests do our weather reports. But no, I don't think that was will. fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But that's I think, what uh, I got, brother. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Join us on uh, on uh, Saturday night, probably eleven eleven thirty, for our post game reaction. Hopefully, it's for a dominating win, but you never know with this team what will happen. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, be hosting that post game live reaction eleven o'clock or so on Saturday. Post game, win or lose. Uh, so, join us for that. Uh, if you can't make it, watch the recording. If you don't mind, please like the video, share oh, it with yeah. a friend on social media, subscribe if you haven't already. We appreciate all the support, y'all. We hit we 100 followers on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate it. We appreciate the support, y'all. Um, but, uh, yeah, enjoy the game. It's tomorrow's <coughs> Friday, so enjoy your weekend. Do something fun. Be safe. And, uh, yeah, join us again on Saturday. Bring a bring a small drink or whatever you enjoy, a little snack on the, uh, Saturday night at 11. And, yeah. Uh, We'll have a fun little reaction with you guys. So uh, we'll see you then. Have a safe uh, Thursday night, Friday, and uh, we'll see you Saturday. And I guess, I hope I have my victory glasses on Saturday night. If we don't, it's going to be a fun one. So, yeah, if we lose, (laughs) definitely join. All right, take care, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye.